When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Yablet! Four goals to Ablett. Oh, Justin Madden's got the sit. One hand. to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Thank you very much to you, Byron, and uh, very nice uh, to join you and the rest of Australia on This Is Your Football Life. And today I've got a very special guest. Not only is he a legend of the game, but I, in some small way, was able to watch him in action in a couple of premierships, and we'll get to that very, very soon. I want to say right here and now with the tragic passing of Tom Hafey uh, last month that this highlights why I went to Craig Hutchison and said we've got to get the, the stories of the game's greats before they pass on. And last year it was my great pleasure when Maureen and Tommy came into the box at the MCG and they gave us half an hour of their time and we spoke about everything from Shepparton to swimming to the family atmosphere at Richmond. And our guest today is part of that family. He played 403 games and kicked 778 goals for Richmond. A five-time Premiership player, five-time best and fairest, Richmond Team of the Century, Australian Football Hall of Fame, a legend induction in 2000, an immortal of the Richmond Football Club with Jack Dyer and Francis Burke and represented the Big V on 20 occasions. Well, Kevin Bartlett, it's just lovely of you to make time and uh, great to have you today. Good on you, Rex. And uh, Rex, can I just say uh, that game against uh, North Melbourne, the Tigers, of course, in the first half were absolutely fantastic. And that was due to the fact that you presented the jumper to Anthony Miles playing his first game. The Tigers came out. They played like the Tigers of old. Absolutely fantastic. And I want to give you full credit for that because you inspired the players. The only problem was, Rex, uh, you should have gone down at halftime. And you should have presented another jumper at half-time, and we would have won the game by 12 goals. The seriousness is it of this, KB. The seriousness is I try to instill the spirit that was put upon me in 1965 when I walked into Punt Road, the same as you were. Uh, when you walked into Punt Road as a Footscray supporter, you obviously found something special and found it and found this is my home straight away. Well, I, was, I lived uh, just up the road, of course. I was in Lenox Street, Richmond, when I was a, a young kid, and uh, so I was able to go down, and a bit different than today, of course, uh, and just knock on the door and ask for a game in the under-17s. So that's how my association started with the Tigers in 1962 and the under-17s. Met a fantastic uh, man down there called Bill Baromio. 
He was the first person I ever met at Richmond, uh, and he turned out to be a lifelong friend of mine. I knocked on the door, and uh, just by, by coincidence, uh, he opened the door because uh, Bill was the coach of the under-17s. I didn't know that. Coach of the under-17s, and he was taking a group of young kids, which he did right throughout his life, and he was giving them some pre-season training, which was nearly unheard of uh, back in those days. And it just happened to be the day that I knocked on the door. He was there, and he was the coach of the under-17s. So I introduced myself and said I, I was eligible to play with the under-17s. Could I come down and train? And from that point on, he became a lifelong friend of mine, and sadly, he passed away uh, fairly young. But he had an enormous influence on me, as did a lot of other people, because at that particular point in time, as you know, uh, Ray Jordan was down there, Graham Richmond was the under-19s coach, and Tom Hafey was soon to arrive. Yeah, and also with Johnny Nix, who I, I people ask me about Johnny Nix and say, so, oh, yeah, yeah, he was down there. But his job, along with the slug, was to prepare for the senior team. And that was the absolute uh, essence of what the club was about. The importance of people like Bill Borromeo uh, cannot be highlighted enough. I can still remember, you know, training during the summer. Uh, the whale certainly hadn't arrived then because he didn't believe in training during the summer. He just trained to have a can. But the serious <laughs> thing about it is that Ian Owen, halfback flanker in the 1969 Premiership side, uh, Bondi, a member of the 1969 Premiership side, and yourself were on the professional running circuit. Can you give our listeners a bit of an insight on how important uh, the uh, Meribara gift, the Rye gift, uh, the Trogan gift, yeah. all of these professional meetings were in relation to your preparation for the next football season? Well, the, you didn't have uh, you know the pre-season that you have now with the AFL clubs, of course, with full-time professional players. So it was really left up to the individuals. Uh, you know, some players just came straight back when pre-season started which might have been sometime in February or might have been even early March uh, in those days. But it was up to the player himself. And uh, if he didn't want to do any training, I mean, they saw pre-season as uh, getting fit. But uh, Bill Baramio, he influenced me a lot as a, as a young boy. He was, as I say, he was a coach of me in the under-17s. And uh, he used to train down back behind uh, the Oval there, next to the Richmond Tech, uh, behind the Richmond Town Hall. And he had a group of uh, professional foot runners down there. So he said to me, come on down and train and, uh, you know, it'll help you play better football by having a, a good pre-season under your belt. And there was a number of us went down there. You mentioned a couple there with Ian Owen and, and also, of course, uh, Graham Bond as well. But I can remember, you know, uh, a number of players... Uh, Mike Hammond was another one who'd come down from Mirraborough. And we'd go down there Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays and uh, we would train and do sprint work and run 400s. And, and then Bill, is, of course, uh, as part of the, you know, the camaraderie of it all, would uh, take us around to uh, some of the major gifts uh, around Victoria. You know, whether it be Mirraborough, whether it be Portland, whether it be Rye or, you know, it was great fun. Oakley, a lot of the local clubs, uh, you know, Pran Gift, uh, Waverley Gift. And uh, we'd go along and uh, we, we would enter into races and, you know, you'd be handicapped and, um, you know, you run and have a lot of fun. And, but we got terribly fit in terms of uh, maybe a lot of other players. By the time we rocked up to pre-season training, we'd, uh, we'd done a lot of work and uh, it helped us in our development as young players and going through the under-19s into the seniors. And it was the essence of Richmond. It was, uh, you know, we'll overrun them uh, in the last quarter, similar to what we perceive Port Adelaide at the moment. Uh, wasn't it about the time that John Tolman also got onto this and started to take a stable down at the Caulfield Racecourse? I can remember Len Thompson mm. and Robert Dean, Des Tudnam. I'm sure that was about the same time as Bill was taking you blokes to those meetings. Yes, uh, Tolley was a, was a champion runner himself. He was a champion miler, and, uh, and he did have a, a group of people training over at the Caulfield Racetrack as well. But, uh, you know, we were just behind uh, you know, the Richmond Town Hall. It was pretty local for, for most of the guys who, who played for 
Richmond. But uh, when Tommy came, of course, uh, Tommy's theory was that no side could uh, withstand 100 minutes of pressure from a Richmond football club side. And, you know, a bit like Port Adelaide at the moment where they've got this great belief they can overrun sides, uh, you know, in the last quarter or latter stages of the game. And Tommy instilled that into us. We, we trained very, very hard. There's no doubt about that. We did train very, very hard. And he prepared us uh, for a contest. And uh, we started overrunning sides and, and winning sides and winning close games. And so he built up that confidence in the players that, Virtually, you're unbeatable. That uh, There wasn't a game that we didn't go into that we didn't think we were going to win. And if we were down, we had the belief that, what Tommy would say, no one can withstand 100 minutes of pressure from a Richmond Football Club team. And, you know, there was a number of uh, games, wrecks and, you know, finals. I remember 1973, six or seven goals down at halftime against Collingwood uh, to get into the grand final. We came out and finally won that game by about eight points because we just had the belief. Yeah, and belief is everything. We're talking to the great legend Kevin Bartlett about his days at the Richmond Football Club and it's great to have him on board courtesy of Tobin Brothers who make this possible to celebrate the life of our champions of the game. You had a fantastic start. You won a best and fairest. Uh, you won the goal kicking uh, in the fourth. But then you, you got a pretty severe hip injury. Can you tell our listeners uh, exactly what it was and how you overcame it? Uh, I, I did win the best and fairest in the under-17s. Uh, that was the, the first year I was down at the club. And then uh, you went up to the under-19s. Ray Jordan was the was the coach. And uh, and I won the best and fairest in the under-19s the, the, uh, the following year. Uh, and it was the first year that we'd played. In fact, it was the first time that, well, Tommy Hafey met me, but I never met Tommy Hafey. Uh, we played in the finals at the MCG and uh, I was playing in the centre. And at the very opening bounce of the game, uh, a player ran in from behind me and crashed into me at the opening bounce and that was the end. I was off after two seconds. So uh, that's how long I lasted. In fact, my mum and dad were waiting outside with the trying to get into the ground because it was around about, oh, I don't know, 8 o'clock, 8.30 in the morning, kicking the dew off uh, the MCG because all the finals were played on the one day. So by the time they got in, I'd already been stretched off and, uh, and I was on my way to um, the Prince Henry Hospital. In fact, that was the first time, Rex, I ever met Jack Dyer. I was, wow. I was lying in the uh, change rooms. They took me up to the change rooms and laid me down. They thought I had broken my hip or broken my pelvis. I was in a tremendous amount of pain. And I was lying there. And out of the blue, Jack Dyer turned up. Now, I'd never ever met Jack. I'd only seen him on TV, of course, and you of the legend. But he turned up and just, um, you know, came and asked me how I was feeling and, you know, disappointing that, you know, I got hurt so early in the game and I'd be okay. And, you know, just words, uh, consoling words and just trying to, you know, maybe take the, the concern from my own uh, mind at that stage that I'd been hurt. must hurting. have been great for you as a young person well, to have was. this absolute icon. And now, all the years down the track, you are an immortal with Jack Dyer in the club. Well, it's always amazing to me, Rex, that, I mean, Jack Dyer would not have known me. Maybe he was told by... You know, Graeme Richmond at that stage, who was... The... I reckon he would have got the message that we've got a little bloke here that might go a long way because I think, uh, you know, they were looking for someone, because looking for big blokes, but looking for a little bloke also to take advantage of the big bloke. Yeah, looking for Rovers, and uh, they must have said, uh, come along and watch uh, the under-19s. And when I got hurt, you know, uh, it, was, it was lovely of him that he actually took the time to come around and uh, to see me uh, in the change rooms uh, before I was... You know, taken off to uh, the Prince Henry's Hospital, where later on, I, you know, my mum and dad finally came in when they got in and found out that I'd already left the ground. But uh, what happened was, in fact, Rex, when they x-rayed me, I'd, I'd had, um, for some reason, I've had a, a big cyst or uh, 
in my hip that I was unaware of, and uh, maybe oh. maybe I was born with it and it, and got Laying bigger. Laying dormant. Yeah. yeah, it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and uh, and I was unaware of it. And when the bloke crashed into me from behind, uh, obviously uh, it created great great pain and uh, and pressure. So uh, I was in Prince Henry Hospital for oh uh, two weeks, maybe even a little bit longer. Uh, they operated on me and. And, uh, and I just really laid in bed for about two weeks. In those days, they didn't worry too much about physiotherapy. And uh, they took a great hunk out of my side, and they used to get yeah. in there and chisel things out in those days. And yeah. um, it, it took me about another 10 months before I got the all clear, really, for, for the doctors. And uh, I did play me. I did play in, um, in 1964 again in the under-19s, but um, I was knocked around a fair bit. But uh, by the time I got to the end of the season, I'd sort of regained a little bit of fitness and a bit of... Um, uh, belief in uh, you know in my body and my leg and my hip and uh, and I was able to play in that in the finals that year at full forward they actually played me at full forward. Kevin Bartlett is our guest, the legend of the AFL, joining us today on behalf of Tobin Brothers. And in 1934, Australia snatched the ashes from England, and Tobin Brothers funerals began serving the community of Victoria. Which one? The the pre- I was going to say, the... sorry, Rex. Yeah, I interrupted you there, didn't I? You did, because I'm reading a live thing. So what we're going to do is we'll just start that again, KB. Okay. Is that all right? Do it again. So, so in 1934, Australia snatched the ashes from England and the Tobin Brothers' funerals began serving the community of Victoria. In the 80 years since Leo, Fonce, Tom and Kevin launched their fledging funeral business, Tobin Brothers' funerals has served more than 228,000 families and become one of Australia's most respected, trusted funeral companies. Tobin Brothers' funerals are celebrating lives. And out of the break, we rejoin our great man, Kevin Bartlett, as we commence what is known as the Hafey years at Punt Road. And the little rover of the century goes bang. And we'll be back after this break. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers' funerals. Celebrating lives. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Yes, thank you, Byron. And uh, Kevin Bartlett's joined us right around Australia today. And it's great to have the, uh, the champion Rover with us. There's no doubt about that. His career on the field is amazing. And he's just one of the survivors in this electronic medium we call radio and television, which is the hardest thing to survive in. I can tell you from experience. OK, we've discussed, you know, all the kids coming together at Punt Road, the Hafey years. And uh, I just wanted to mention uh, after the break, Kevin, uh, that the, the Peter Hogan you mentioned, uh, I think he came from the Wimmera League or the Hamden League down that way, anyhow, Portland way. The late Peter Hogan, who was a great man at Ansett, coached me at Sandringham. And, and you used to sit at home. Uh, uh, and, uh, and and you and Tommy used to like me when I was on display down there with Fred Cook at the Beach Road Oval at Sandringham. You're an absolute star, Rex. And, of course, uh, <laughs> not only not at Richmond as a great Richmond Premiership player, yeah. but uh, star down at Geelong as vice-captain and also at St Kilda as well. <laughs> but I think your days when you went to Sandringham, the day that you actually got knocked out and uh, the only By one... Ray, Ray Biffin missed the ball, Kev. Yes, Ray Biffin. Well, he did that uh, and, on, and on the other side, Alan regularity. Hart. On the other side, Alan Harper, it was like uh, the Gatsby, mate. It went bang, bang. And I tell you what, I saw stars. But uh, Ray Biffin often, uh, unfortunately, collected people. But, <laughs> but what happened, Rex, was that uh, you probably can't recall it because you were knocked unconscious. But uh, I said to Tommy at the time, that's the first time I've ever seen that in football where they had to bring on four Clydesdales to drag a bloke <laughs> off the ground. You were that big. You were that big. Four Clydesdales, <laughs> put the stretcher, and they dragged you off the ground. 
Some, someone on the Channel 7 News said a few weeks ago they had a slight tremor down around Brighton or Sandringham and a bloke rang up the newsroom and said there was a tremor there in 1980 when Rex hit the ground. It was just, they were great days. Okay, let's get serious for a moment. The Hafey era. Little did you know when the most important decision was made at Punt Road to move to the MCG and that was the start of the six-foot wingers, kick the ball long to Royce, and of course you as a rover knew there were gonna, if there was going to be big blokes, there was always going to be plenty of crumbs. Well, my, my first game, Rex, was in uh, 1965. It was round three. It was against St Kilda, and um, Len Smith was the coach. And uh, St Kilda defeated uh, Richmond. I, I was 19th man, and I came on just before three-quarter time. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, that was the last game Len Smith ever coached, was my first game, because he sadly had a heart attack he did. Uh, on the Sunday night. And, I think uh, Skinny Titus took over, didn't And he? then Skinny Titus uh, had to take now, over. Now, now, I've got a bone to pick with you, because you and Mike Perry said, oh, kids have got to sit in the front, Rex. I sat in the front when Skinny was talking to us. He <laughs> spat on me all day. You yes. set that up, didn't you? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you should have realised when everyone went to the back of the room. I should have realised when the blokes in the front had an umbrella. But anyhow, continue on. But it was uh, the old days, and... Uh, and I suppose, you know, Skinny Tyler was one of the greats of the Richmond Football Club, kicked 970 goals, and uh, he was just an absolute star and a legend, 294 games. And, you know, he coached and uh, he took over for the remainder of the year, and the Tigers just missed out on the finals. His first uh, game was uh, against Essen, which the following week after I made my debut, I actually started on the ground. So Skinny uh, coached the club that year, but he was a fairly elderly gentleman when he actually took over because he had played, you know, in the late 20s and early 30s. And I mentioned, you heard before when you were talking about Tobin Brothers starting in 1934, that was the yeah. year Richmond won the premiership. Of course, they won yes. in 32 and 34, and they'd previously won in 20 and 21. So they, that were the you first... Were at, you were at both of those grand finals, I, weren't you? I, I was emergency <laughs> uh, in, the, in the last one in 1934. <laughs> well, you've been, you've been playing in every other one. <laughs> I was an emergency. But uh, then what happened was, of course, uh, they just, of course Skinny Titus, obviously, uh, as an elderly gentleman, uh, decided he was, he was just filling in because Skinny wasn't even coach of the reserves when he took over. He was a board man. And they just brought him off the board, and uh, he yeah. took over, and he did a marvellous job, and he was, he was such a, a fantastic individual, Skinny Titus. And then, of course, there was a the talk about who was going to coach the Tigers, and there was a lot of talk about Ron Branton, who we all knew as a three-time Richmond Best and Fairest player and runner-up in the Brownlow Medal, uh, club captain. He was a, an iconic Richmond player. And, uh, and Tom Hafey was mentioned, who I must say I'd never ever heard of. I mean, let's face it, he'd only played about 60 games of AFL football, yeah. uh, had disappeared and gone up to Shepparton, and he was captain coach of Shepparton, but he got the job. And when he came down to Richmond, I mean, I, I'd never heard of Tom Hafey, but from the very first night of training, we all knew who Tom Hafey was, because when we gathered at the tan to do two laps of the tan, and he said, no, do your best. And we yeah. all took off, and we never saw Tommy again until he lapped us. Yeah. That, that we realised that this wow. bloke meant business, and he did. And uh, it it was all on fitness, and he believed that everyone can kick and mark and handball, uh, except you. And the thing about it is, if you keep running, you'll actually outrun the opposition most times, and that's what happened. Uh, the move to the MCG was just uh, amazing, wasn't it? Because the style of game. Kick it to Royce, get out of his way, Kevin, run to the contest, and it was just so successful. It was uh, very successful. Uh, Tommy, of course, was uh, a great devotee of, uh, of Norm Smith. He loved Norm Smith as a coach. And when he was playing at Richmond, he used to watch uh, the great Melbourne sides because uh, Melbourne, of course, played in 
grand finals 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59, yeah. 60, and one in 64. And he used to admire Norm Smith, you know, with Big Bob Johnson down on the goal square and maybe Big Johnny Lord down there. And uh, they might have had, you know, a smaller moving, you know, full forward and a couple of uh, crummers. And he just loved the way that they were tall across the ground, tall across the centre line, used to kick the ball long distances, players run up. He just loved the way Melbourne played. And, uh, you know, he was a devotee of Norman Smith and he believed that was the way to play AFL football. So that's why we, we trained hard and that's why Tommy, you know, got us to play that style of play. It wasn't just getting the ball and just kicking it, you know, willy-nilly as far as you possibly could. You had to try and kick it, certainly, uh, to the longer option, but to an option that you would give that option a good chance of winning the ball or marking the ball. And players in between, they had to run hard. You might recall, Rex, at training, Tommy would have, have us all standing next to him and uh, he kicked yeah. the ball 50 metres in the air to a contest and he'd say, go. And you had to run from Tommy down to that contest. So when the ball hit their hands, if the bloke marked it, he would handball to you. If he didn't mark and hit the ground, you had to be there to get that ball. And uh, that was just his example to say how far you can run when the ball's in the air. So it was a, a long kicking game, but it, it had purpose. Your son, uh, Rhett, has been an amazing example of just keeping the tradition of the club together. And together with stalwarts like Bill Meekland, and, and I've forgotten Paul Rifle's father's name. Ronnie. Ronnie Rifle. They, with the help of this beautiful young man of yours, they have just got that history uh, off pat. Uh, your son is just an absolute example of what Tiger spirit is about. Well, it's interesting that uh, in Richmond's centenary year, which was in 2008, because uh, Richmond came into the competition in 1908, uh, Red, as a, a young boy, uh, had a great love of the, uh, of the history of, uh, of football, and particularly the Richmond Football Club. And uh, when he was really, really uh, quite young and he just had his licence when he was 18 years of age, he, he said to me, uh, you know, someone should get around and talk to all these great old Richmond people who played in the 30s and 40s because they're all, you know, late 80s and early 90s and uh, some yeah. of the greats. And he said, they must have some wonderful stories to tell about Richmond. So as a young boy, he, uh, he jumped in his car and he, tr- he travelled over Victoria and he'd ring up people and he'd go up and he, he would chat to them and get their stories. And he was doing that for nine years. And then, then he learnt that uh, in 2008, he actually said to me in 2008's Richmond Centenary, and I'll, I'll bring out a little book myself uh, of, of these, these interviews. Um, it'll be a verbal history, an audio history of the Richmond Football Club spoken through the eyes of people who yeah. were at the Richmond Football Club over a long journey. And uh, it happened to be that, you know, they got to 2008 and uh, he asked me about, you know, how we would go about getting this book out. And I said, look, I'm not very good at publishing books. So I said, give Jeff Slattery a call down at Slattery Media and he might be able to give you some advice who you can, you know, get it printed by. Because he is the best. Yeah, how to, how to get around it. And he went down there and Jeff Slattery said, what have you got? And uh, he got out a couple of his interviews he had with the likes of Des Rowe and some of those older players. And uh, Jeff absolutely loved it. And he said, this is absolutely fantastic. He said, there's never been a football book before, which has been, you know, through the eyes of the people in terms of uh, a verbal history of, of the club, of a, of a particular football club. And that's where it stand, started. And then uh, they approached the club and said, look, uh, we've got all this. Uh, and they said, uh, that'd be fantastic. Can you bring it out as part of our, our centenary year? So that's when uh, the history of the Richmond Football Club yeah. in that centenary year was brought out by Rhett.
And Kevin Bartlett, that's why I'm so proud that Tobin Brothers saw fit to uh, you know, support this because what you said about Rhett and what you say about the club is exactly right because every year hundreds of people take out a fixed-price funeral plan with Tobin Brothers Funerals and by doing that they have the peace of mind knowing that regardless of how long they live, the price they pay today is fixed forever. So why not celebrate your life with a fixed-price funeral plan from Tobin Brothers Funerals? Now, time is up, Kevin, but I just want to say very, very briefly that I think that Tobin Brothers' spirit has been highlighted by the celebration of Tom Hafey's life at the MCG. We do respect that, you know, certain protocol has to be followed, but the laughter and the tears were just what epitomised one of the great Richmond people, and your speech was sensational. Well, we love Tommy, and, uh, you know, everyone who played under Tommy uh, loved him, and uh, he was very special to my family. My kids sort of grew up... uh, a lot alongside uh, his kids, uh, you know, we holidayed a lot together and, uh, you know, his brothers in uh, Jimmy and uh, Peter and Michael and Brenda, his, uh, his sister, all become great friends of, uh, of the Bartlett family and uh, he was godfather along with Maureen of uh, Shana, my first child. And, uh, you know, loss of Tommy hit us all very, very hard. But he was a, he was a wonderful person. Uh, he brought us all so much joy. We learnt so much about him. Uh, and learned so much about life. He he loved people. He loved life. He loved helping people, and uh, it was proud as we all were that uh, we met Tommy and uh, able to play yeah. football and win premierships and uh, and celebrated his life. You know, I've been wanting it for a long time, and now you found out why. We just need to not not that you're going to get the pre-priced funeral plan signed up, Kev, but the fact is that you and Denise haven't finished yet, and neither are your kids and the the grandchildren are going to be talking about this day for a long, long time, and I thank you for your time today. Thank you, Rex. Kevin Bartlett, the great Kevin Bartlett, both on and off the field, a legend of the AFL, a legendary broadcaster of the electronic medium called radio, and we thank you very much for joining us today on This Is Your Football Life, and check us out on Twitter, at Rex at Football Life, and this has been all with the support of Tobin Brothers Funerals, who celebrate lives. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.